Comanche, the battle of the little bighorn and the horse that survived it. If this page could sing as you read it, or if I could embed an audio file, I would ask it to play the tune called Gary Owen as your eyes passed this way. Many of you would recognize the tune, although you might not know the name. The first few notes are so memorable, so forceful, that you would recall it as the happy fife and drum jig played in countless movies as the U.S. cavalry marches off into the scenery, leaving a trail of dust and hoofprints. Originally, Gary Owen was used by various Irish regiments as their quick march in battles such as Waterloo. In the 18th century, it became the drinking song for the Royal Irish Lancers, who crooned it in pubs when they came into Limerick on payday. Here are a few of the verses. Let Bacchus' sons be not dismayed, but join with me each jovial blade. Come booze and sing and lend me aid to help me with the chorus. Instead of spa, we'll drink down ale and pay the reckoning on the nail. For debt, no man shall go to jail from Gary Owen and glory. We are the boys who take delight in smashing the limerick lamps when lighting through the streets like sporters fighting and tearing all before us. As Irish immigrants arrived on American shores and enlisted in the army, the catchy quickstep was soon taken up by soldiers in the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. By 1867, it was adopted as the regimental heir of the 7th Cavalry, the unit commanded by the Civil War hero George Armstrong Custer, who would soon march into the pages of history at the Battle of the Little Bighorn, with the notes of the melody fading across the prairie grasses. It was an appropriate choice, wrote the editors of a book about Miles Keough, who was a pivotal member of the Seventh, especially in terms of its equine history, and who some credit with introducing Gary Owen to Custer. Its lilting rhythm mimicked the gallop of horses, and aside from the whistle of a soldier who may have sensed he was marching to his doom, the lesser airs that were played on various legs of the march to that fatal battle, and the series of bugle calls heard on the field on June 25, 1867, Gary Owen was the last music heard by man and horse alike. Some say that on certain evenings on the prairie, you can see the Seventh Cavalry ghosts riding their ghost horses past silhouettes of cottonwood and sage into a hole in the sky at the end of a hard trail lit by a full moon. And if you get very quiet and still, you can hear the music that drove men into the arms of death and complemented the steady gallop of their partners, their steeds. Who were these horses that appear in nearly every painting of the Western conquest, every barroom poster of Custer gallantly fending off his mounted opponents? Many of them were once wild, living on the open range, rounded up and pressed into service by the U.S. Army. Often they were not named, but merely numbered, and they were enlisted by the thousands. These beleaguered four-legged troops were the great unsung heroes of that horrible firestorm in the greasy grass. While Custer may have gone down in history as the man who was killed as he made his last stand, so too do the horses of the Seventh Cavalry deserve their place for serving with him, protecting him as he went down. There was one horse who, unlike many of the others, had a name. His story has been passed down through military histories, newspaper accounts of the time, and chroniclers of matters equine. 
His very name embodies the fateful clash of civilizations that concluded in about 20 minutes, the time it took the sun to pass the width of one teepee pole, according to a Native American witness. It was Comanche, assigned to replace his number because of the silent courage he once displayed while farriers removed an arrowhead embedded deep in his flesh following a battle with Comanche Indians. Comanche went on to become an American hero, the lone survivor of the Little Bighorn, a label that was glorious, but not true, because there were many survivors, including scores of Native Americans who had wiped out Custer and his gray horse unit on June 25, 1876. Comanche was most likely born around 1862 on what was once called the Great Horse Desert of Texas, a vast region that was a home to hundreds of thousands of Mustangs. Comanche bore the markings of the early Spanish horses. The bay or claybank horse, inexplicably referred to as dun or buckskin in many accounts, had the telltale black dorsal stripe down his back that today can still be seen on some wild horses in the high deserts of Nevada, Oregon, Wyoming, Utah, and Montana. Like many Mustangs, he was small, about 925 pounds, and 15 hands, and he had a white star on his forehead. No one knows how old he was when he was taken off the range. It was the era of the great plundering, when immense populations of birds and mammals were ours for the taking, and detailed records of the voracious Mustang roundups that continued for decades were not kept. These horses were rounded up by cowboys and mustangers for cattle drives, personal use, sport, profit, or combinations thereof, and many of them were sold to the army. The roundups were often cruel, as they still are, although today's are carried out more humanely, frequently employing the method called creasing, in which a bullet was fired at the upper part of a horse's neck, causing temporary paralysis by striking a nerve. Sometimes the shooter aimed badly and fatally wounded the Mustang. Other times he injured the horse permanently and left him to wander the desert until he bled to death or was attacked by a predator.